What is happening to supermarket prices? Do own label brands taste good? What's the best supermarket? What's the worst? How do I spend less on my weekly shop? Are there ways I can shop smarter? Should I just be growing my own veg? How do I even grow veg? <sighs> Wine to pair with spag ball? When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk. Hi there, Lucia Ariano here. I'm the host of the Witch Money podcast. And this week, I'll be stepping into the hot seat here on Witch Investigates as Grace takes a well-earned break. On our sister show, we cover all sorts of issues that impact your finances, covering everything from the cost of living crisis to pensions, savings, and perhaps most relevant for today's podcast, how the behavior of unscrupulous criminals can leave people like you out of pocket. Now, imagine you're moving home. It is, of course, a major landmark in anyone's life. Perhaps you're buying your dream property or moving into your first place. You've put in the work and everything seems to be going well. There's just one thing left to do. You transfer the deposit and then the keys are yours. But what if all isn't as it seems? I'm Lucia Ariano and this week's Witch Investigates asks, could a fraudster steal my deposit? Which Investigates is brought to you by the UK's Consumer Champion. We work to make life simpler, fairer and safer for everyone. We've got new episodes out every fortnight where we take a deep dive into the consumer issues that matter. If you've got something you'd like us to investigate, give us a shout on social media at WitchUK or send us an email at podcasts at witch.co.uk. Coming up, I'm told about so-called Friday afternoon fraud and how it works. The scam involves a fraudster hacking the email account of either a home buyer or their conveyancer. I learned more about just how much money some victims could be set to lose. You can imagine it's an incredible incentive to people to commit crime. It's one of those awful crimes where you only need to be lucky once as the criminal and you might get hundreds of thousands of pounds. And I aim to find out why so many scammers are successful in making off with our cash. I think it's because of the emotional side of moving house. The buyer is just desperate to get into their dream home. The seller just wants to make sure that they can sell it. And if they're moving on, move into their next dream home. And I think that they let their guards down. Let's start then with a disclaimer. As I often say on the Witch Money podcast when we cover scams and fraud, the chances of things you're about to hear happening to you are very slim. But as we are also so frequently reminded with scams, it really could happen to anyone. And when scammers catch you at just that right time, the effects can be devastating. A new report from money.co.uk's annual fraud and cybercrime report shows there has been a sharp rise in fraudulent activity in the last year, with a loss of more than 4 billion in 2022. And as we'll hear today, the property market is as vulnerable as many other sectors. First up, let me introduce you to the first expert helping me with today's investigation. 
My name is Jonathan Rowland, and I founded the National Association of Property Buyers, a non-profit for uh, companies that purchase properties. And I also own a company called House Buy Fast, which purchases hundreds and hundreds of properties every year. I was really keen to get Jonathan's take on some of the issues we're seeing at the moment. He recently joined me for an episode on the Witch Money podcast, looking at the state of the property market. And it's clear he's fully across the latest developments in the industry. And now then to someone else we'll hear plenty from today. My name is Sarah Dwight. I am a sole practitioner specialising in residential conveyancing. Sarah's an expert in all things property law, so another fantastic person to have on our side on this one. Now, I'm going to invite our producer, Rob, to hop on the episode here too. Hi, Rob. Hi, Lucia. So I've already run through some of the stats showing the rising so-called scamdemic, and it appears the property market hasn't escaped these criminals. But can you set the scene then? Why is this something you were so keen to cover on today's episode? Well, as you know, I recently bought my first place. We've been in for a couple of months now. But as me and you both know, the whole process of either buying, selling or renting somewhere can be super stressful. So the idea that criminals are taking advantage of this, the idea that I could have been one of these victims, it really made me think that this was something we should definitely find out more about. 100%. I remember when I bought my first place a few years ago, the stress of the whole process really can feel quite overwhelming at times, can't it? And for me, as I'm sure it is for many, when I was buying my flat, it was the most money I'd ever had going out of my account, years of savings. So it really hammers home what's at stake both financially and emotionally. So where should we start then? Well, on today's episode, we're going to focus on something called Friday afternoon fraud. Now, the name itself immediately made me want to find out more. And apparently, like all other scam activity, it's on the rise. And it does turn out as well that this is something that we've been keen to find out more about here at Witch as well. I can't wait to hear more about it. Thank you so much for joining us, Rob, and we'll hear again from you later on. Well, for now then, let's crack on. I wanted to know if either of our experts had come across this before. Well, it's called Friday afternoon fraud, not surprisingly, because it very often happens on a Friday afternoon. And the reason for that is twofold, really. Most property completions actually happen on a Friday. So uh, that completion would be when the money changes hands and, uh, in effect, the property changes ownership at that point and the estate agent can release the keys to the buyer. It sounds awful, doesn't it? Especially as it happens at the very end of the process when you're so ready and excited to move into your new home. I asked Jonathan to give us a reminder of what exactly completion means so we can get a better idea of how criminals might look to exploit this stage of the house buying process. Well, completion obviously is the very last thing that, that happens with a property sale. So before that, you'd have had all of the property inquiries, surveys, the purchaser would have uh, arranged a mortgage. And then once everything's done and everyone's happy and know that they want to purchase the property, etc., and everyone's committed, they'll sign a contract with a date on it. And that date's normally a couple of weeks ahead. Those contracts are then exchanged, sort of in inverted commas. The completion day comes around a couple of weeks later normally, and the money is then transferred from one solicitor to another, and that would be for a deposit or the full amount if it's a cash buyer. Alternatively, if there's a mortgage, the bank will advance the money to the solicitor on that completion day. They're then holding enough funds to purchase the property. Again, they ring each other and say, happy to complete. Yes, we are. We've got the money. We'll, we'll send it across. And money goes from buyer's solicitor to seller's solicitor. And that's the point at which the 
keys are released and the estate agent releases them. And in the vast majority of cases, everything's fine and the people move into their nice new property. Well, at least that's how it should work. According to HMRC data, there were almost 77,000 property sales in the UK in February 2023 alone. And as I've already mentioned, the vast majority go through without any issues. As Jonathan said earlier, Friday is the most common day to complete, but that brings with it its own complications should something go wrong, as Sarah explains. The reason that it is common on a Friday is because the majority of house moves happen on a Friday. And as conveyancing solicitors are very busy making sure that we complete house purchases. And I am pleased to say this has never happened to me. So obviously I am only going on what others have told me and what I have read. But what happens is a fraudster may ring the solicitor impersonating the client and say, you remember I gave you my bank details at the start of the transaction? Well, my bank account has changed. And could you please now send the money to this account? And the solicitor is so busy getting the house moves done that they may not even make any further checks. And to add to this, let's hear now from a scans and consumer rights expert here at which Tally Ramsey. Here she goes into more detail on exactly how these scammers operate. The scam involves a fraudster hacking the email account of either a home buyer or their conveyancer, and then they monitor their emails for months or even years. During this phase of monitoring, bots scan emails for keywords such as house purchase, and then they make their attack when the conveyancing process starts. When they're ready to strike, they send an email either from the conveyancer's email account or a very similar looking address and continue the conversation thread. At that point, they'll provide new bank account details and make off with the victim's deposit. The idea that some scammers could lay in wait for years is really eye-opening. And actually, while we're here, I just want to give a mention to an episode of Which Investigates we published back in late 2021. There we asked if technology was making life easier for scammers. It's a really fascinating listen, and I'll put a link to that in the episode in the show notes of today's podcast. Now, home buyers are more likely to have their accounts hacked than conveyances, but that doesn't mean scammers aren't targeting firms. The Solicitors Regulation Authority, or SRA visited 40 firms in 2020 to assess their cybersecurity. It found that 30 had been the target of a cyber attack. The remaining 10 firms all reported that cyber criminals had directly targeted their clients during a legal transaction. With the property market seeing record levels of transactions over the last few years, driven by the stamp duty holidays announced during the pandemic, solicitors have been busier than ever. It mustn't mean we should expect to become a victim of fraud, though. And I'll hear more about the important checks that are in place to help prevent scammers being successful a bit later on. Now, though, I want to bring producer Rob back in. Rob, we've actually heard from someone who has been targeted, haven't we? We have, yeah. So this is the story of Robert Langley. I should say this isn't his real name. He told us that he'd lost £20,000 when his conveyancer's email account was hacked while he was in the process of buying a flat. And tell us, what else do we know? Well, Robert had been communicating with his conveyancer via email, but he hadn't heard from them for over a week. He sent an email asking if there was anything else he needed to do, such as transfer his deposit. He then received a response saying he could send the funds. So after some back and forth regarding the correct 
account details. He sent his £20,000 deposit by the Bank of Scotland banking app. Now, when Robert received another email asking him to transfer a further £30,000, he became suspicious and called his conveyancer. And it was at this point that he realised that he'd been scammed. It turned out that the conveyancer's email account had been hacked five days before the transfer was made. And Robert had ignored the warnings of his banking app as he was of the belief that he had been communicating with his conveyancer the entire time. Oh, it's obviously... Good news, he realised, before the second transaction. But of course, 20k had already been transferred. So what happened next then? Well, the Bank of Scotland's investigation found Robert jointly liable, in part due to him not noticing spelling mistakes, a different signature layout and a change in font in the scammer's email. So it only reimbursed him for half of his lost funds. Now, which contacted Bank of Scotland about Robert's case, it told us that due to him ignoring a no-match confirmation of payee notification on its app and a call-your-conveyancer-before-you-pay warning, it would only accept joint liability. Thanks so much for sharing Robert's story, Rob. So he did get half of his money back, but he was still left £10,000 out of pocket at the end of it all. And as we keep hearing, unfortunately, cases like this are on the rise. Well, we'll hear more about what the industry is doing to fight back and the other types of property fraud you should be aware of after this. Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at which.co.uk slash affordable dash food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you. This week on Witch Investigates, we're looking at the issue of Friday afternoon fraud, with scammers looking to pounce at the very moment you're about to complete on a new property purchase. Just before the break, we heard about how one victim had contacted Witch after losing £10,000 to the scam. And we heard about some of the tactics employed by scammers to try and convince you to part with your cash. Well, having heard how the scammers can impersonate your solicitor's email address or indeed change a couple of numbers in the necessary bank details, it's easy to see how this crime can take place if it strikes at the right time. Let's hear more on this from Tally. Predominantly, victims have been quite shocked because to them, everything was going ahead as planned. So they've been really surprised to realise that they have been scammed. Most of the victims did struggle to be reimbursed by their banks because they were told that they didn't check the email address properly or they should have called their conveyancer before transferring the deposit money. And this is exactly what we heard from our victim earlier, with the Bank of Scotland telling us they've only accepted joint liability and refunded him half the money, due to him ignoring a no-match confirmation on the payee notification on its app and a call-your-conveyancer-before-you-pay warning. And property law expert Sarah Dwight also told me about a time one of her clients nearly ended up on the wrong end of this type of criminal activity too. 
It almost happened to me once where a client contacted me and said, you've sent me your account details, but the style of the email isn't the style you write to me in. And I'm not ready to send you the money because we're not at that stage. So she was incredibly vigilant. I have heard from other firms, money's being diverted well over a million pounds. And it, it means that the clients are potentially in breach of contract because they cannot complete which means that the sellers, if the sellers are buying somewhere else, they're going to be in breach of contract on the property that they're buying because they can't complete. And the money has been diverted probably abroad and there is no way that anybody can get it back. The message seems to be that in many of these cases, once the money's gone, unfortunately, there's very little chance of the victim being reimbursed the full amount. And as Jonathan Rowland from the National Association of Property Buyers says, given the amount of money involved, it's no surprise that scammers remain highly motivated. Not only is it a problem if that kind of money goes missing from the person who's the victim, but you can imagine it's an incredible incentive to people to commit crime. Unfortunately, it's one of those awful crimes where you only need to be lucky once as the criminal and you might get hundreds of thousands of pounds. So what's to blame? Could changes to our ways of working after the pandemic also have played a part? It's a situation where things have become remote now. You know, quite often you'll never meet your mortgage advisor, you'll never meet your solicitor. You know, these things are often done in uh, call centres. And so, you know, I think people do play on that, uh, you know, a little bit more. And also, Particularly in the last couple of years, as the property market has got so frantic, everyone's got busy. And it may be that certain sort of corners are being cut by estate agents, by solicitors, by purchasers or sellers themselves, just to get things done. As I've heard many times on our Money podcast too, it's often our emotions that can be manipulated by fraudsters too. House buying is so stressful, there's no doubt about it. And Sarah agrees that's a big part of the reason why these fraudsters can be successful. I think it's because of the emotional side of moving house and people let their guards down a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it is an incredibly complicated process and every house move is different in the same way that every buyer is different and every seller is different. And the buyer is just desperate to get into their dream home. The seller just wants to make sure that they can sell it you know, and if they're moving on, move into their next dream home. And I think that they let their guards down. Well, hopefully after listening to this episode and spreading the word with your family and friends alike, it will be less likely to happen to you and your loved ones. But it must be said, though, this shouldn't be happening at all. And reassuringly, there are measures in place that, if followed correctly, should help keep this type of crime under control. There are checks under the Conveyance and Quality Scheme protocol where you are meant to have bank statements from at least a year ago to verify that it is the correct account. So it should not be happening. The Conveyance and Quality Scheme is a scheme, an accreditation introduced by the Law Society, I would guess probably around 2010. And all firms that practice conveyancing have to go through rigorous checks to make sure that they are qualified to do conveyancing, that their staff are honest and trustworthy, and the accreditation is renewed every year. We also have to sit tests within that accreditation scheme. So everybody in the firm that does conveyancing has to do annual tests on different areas of conveyancing law and practice. 
the conveyancing quality scheme protocol has to be used by all firms which have the accreditation. And it is, uh, that was probably introduced in about 2010, 2012, and basically just sets out the steps that we are expected to take throughout a transaction. And with all solicitors required to sit these exams, the level of vigilance on their part should always remain high. The figures in some ways don't really tell the whole story because there are a lot of robust checks now. So people shouldn't panic. And everyone actually has to play their part with that. And that will be the buyer themselves, the estate agent, the uh, solicitors, of course, mortgage companies, you know, everybody involved in the process must really take every precaution that they can to prevent it because it's just so serious when it happens. And these are life-changing amounts that could potentially be lost for people. Rules actually are there already. You know, estate agents, mortgage companies and solicitors all have to take very thorough identity checks, for example, when they're selling a property or indeed, you know, to a buyer or a seller. They have to see original documents, check that they're not fraudulent, you know, haven't been um, tampered with in any way. They can take out electronic checks to check people's credit histories and how long they've been at the property and that kind of thing. I think where there's a shortfall and the easiest thing for people to do, actually, is whether you're the buyer or the seller, to carry out your own checks. It really is a team effort. And before we finish today's podcast, I'll get Jonathan and Sarah to share their advice on how to ensure we aren't the ones falling victim. Worryingly, though, there are plenty of other ways fraudsters have been looking to target home buyers. Here's our producer, Rob, again with a roundup of some of the other scams we've been seeing that we think you should be made aware of. First up, then, this buy to let fraud. Fraudsters have long peddled fake property investment opportunities, promising significant or guaranteed returns to investors. Dodgy companies may claim to be renovating or managing desirable properties, but actually turn out to be derelict buildings with no tenants, or lure you into rental investment schemes before disappearing with your cash. Then there's new build holding deposits. Scammers target attractive new developments claiming to be estate agents, They ask victims for a holding deposit to secure a property and then take off with the money. If you're contacted by an agent selling new-built homes at prices that seem too good to be true, that's probably a scam. Next up, title fraud. The scammer changes the property's title deeds from your name to theirs, effectively taking over ownership of the property. They may do this by stealing your identity or by pretending to be a prospective buyer to gain information about the property before filing a change of title with the land registry. You can protect yourself by signing up to land registry alerts. And finally, there's mortgage fraud. If the scammer has successfully committed title fraud, they may then attempt to obtain a mortgage or other credit against the property. Empty properties with no outstanding mortgage are often targeted as the scammer can use the owner's equity to fraudulently borrow money with less chance of being caught out. Thanks to Rob again for that sobering reminder that we need to stay alert at all times through the house buying process. Now, this all comes at a time when crime agencies and law enforcement are increasingly stretched. Just last week, I voiced an episode on our Witch Shorts podcast, where witch journalist Josh Wilson asked why so many fraudsters were seemingly getting away with their crimes. In his piece written for the latest issue of the Witch Money magazine, he found several problems, including how a minority of fraud victims actually report their case to action fraud. 
fraud. Just 24% of 1,008 scam victims we surveyed in September 2022 said that they had done so. There were also huge shortfalls when it comes to police resourcing too. According to the Justice Committee, there are only around 1,000 specialist fraud officers in place across the UK. And out of the 20,000 new police officers being recruited currently, only 380 will be fraud specialists. With that in mind, then, what can we do to best protect ourselves? I asked Sarah and Jonathan to share their best pieces of advice. One of the bits of guidance that I give to all of my clients is don't email me your bank details. I'm not going to email mine. Don't email me yours. Because that's just one level of security that we can give so that perhaps this fraud doesn't happen But clients get very excited. They get very excited about the fact that they're moving. They want to transfer the money. They will see an email come in with bank account details in, and they may not think twice. If you get an email from your solicitor with the bank account details, ring your solicitor and check that that is the right account. Because any checks that the public can do are to be welcomed by the solicitor because it's the public who lose out in these scenarios. Never trust a call would be my other bit of advice. So if a solicitor calls through, somebody saying they're a solicitor and says, oh, you know, let's talk about the transaction and you don't recognise them, bear in mind that they could have cloned the telephone number. So it may look genuine, but it won't be your solicitor necessarily that you're talking to. So if they're asking you to pay a different bank account that you're not familiar with, don't trust it. Use a trusted number to phone your solicitor, speak to somebody that you know, and double check what's been said. We've also got plenty of advice on the Witch website too at witch.co.uk forward slash scams. And a few more just worth a mention now. Among our best tips before transferring your house deposit to your conveyancer, send a nominal amount such as £1. Call your conveyancer on its registered branch phone number to ensure the sum has been received and only send the remainder of the money once this has been confirmed by a trusted member of staff. When speaking to the conveyancer firm, be on your guard against any unsuspected emails or phone calls, something Jonathan has already mentioned. And be suspicious if you're contacted by a new member of staff or someone claiming to work in a different department at the firm. Finally, always set security passwords. It's so, so important on your email accounts and take your time before making any big decisions such as transferring large sums of money. Scammers have a much better chance of success if you're in a hurry. So slow down, take a step back, and if you have a hunch that something isn't right, make sure you heed it. Now to say one step ahead of fraudsters with updates on the latest scams to avoid, you can also sign up to our free scam alert emails. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash scam dash alert. And again, we'll put a link in the description of today's episode. And if you think you may have fallen victim to a scam and transferred money to a fraudster, contact your bank immediately and explain the situation. You can also report it to police by calling 101 and to the Cyber Reporting Centre Action Fraud either online or by calling 0 300 123 Thank you for listening to this episode of Witch Investigates. Drop us a line on social at Witch UK to let us know if you've enjoyed today's podcast. And please don't forget to leave us a rating and review so that we can reach more people. 
And do check out our other podcasts, including the Witch Money Podcast. That's where you'll find me every Friday alongside our brilliant money experts as we tackle your biggest personal finance and money questions. Today's episode was presented by me, Lucia Ariano, sitting in for Grace Farrell, written and produced by Rob Lilly, editing and original music by Eric Breer. And our executive producer is Angus Farker. A special thanks this week to Tally Ramsey, Stephen Maunder and everyone else on the consumer rights team here at Witch. And we'll see you again in two weeks for our next investigation.